You're listening to Cinema Geekly Premium, premium podcast from premium people. Thanks for your support. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! I needed help, that's all. You know, if I could do it, anybody could. <laughs> well, my hat is off to you. So, here we are. And patent law is something you... Oh, yeah. In fact, I, I do so many patent cases, I should probably just go ahead and specialize already. So what do we got? I feel silly asking this, but before I show you my invention, would you mind signing a non-disclosure agreement? You got it. Yeah, no problem. It's my idea of a lifetime. If Fisher-Price or Play School ever got their hands on this. No worries. You ready? I may have seen one of these before. Your buddy's worse off and he throws you his car keys. Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning. State Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born. Better call Saul, better call Saul. You want to tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran? So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can. Blue lights start a blinking, those handcuffs click. You know who to call and you better call quick. Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. You'll fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stick it to the man, justice for all. You better call Saul. It's time to Better Talk Saul, Cinema Geekly's Better Call Saul podcast. I'm Anthony Lewis. And I'm Glenn Beauvais. Yeah, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 5, called... Alpine Shepherd Boy. And holy cow, Glenn, uh, we sure as heck got a reason for that episode title a little <laughs> later on a ri- in a riveting scene uh, that I cannot wait to discuss with you here. Uh, so the episode picks up right where the last one left off uh, with a shot of uh, Chuck McGill's $5 bill under that rock from that old lady that he stole the newspaper from. Uh, the the old lady called nine one one about her stolen newspaper. I guess as old ladies are wanting to do. I guess it seemed like a bit an over a bit of overkill to call nine one one about a stolen newspaper. Um, the officers go to confront Chuck. Of course, Chuck has his electro uh, electromagnetic hypersensitivity issue, and the police have all sorts of electronic devices. Uh, including but not limited to walkie-talkies and tasers. So Chuck is refusing to, uh, refusing to open the door uh, for the officers. Uh, so one officer decides he's going to walk around to the back door, and he sees that all of the electrical lines in Chuck's home have been severed, and uh, there's a lot of empty cans of, of fuel, right, for, I'm guessing, his lanterns. Um, or on a stove, probably as well. And uh, basically, the officers piece together Chuck's ramblings and the the fuel, and they determine that he must be huffing this stuff. Glenn, he is a drug user, uh, and his refusal to open the door. Basically, they decide they're just going to kick that shit down and taser him. Not good. 
we then catch up with Jimmy McGill, who is uh, presumably catching up on those seven voicemails or he had on his uh, on his answering machine uh, for these brand new clients. The first one is a wealthy tycoon by the name of Ricky Sipes. And uh, he has about every animal you can think of dead and stuffed in his house. Uh, some of them, like, I felt like some of them were like full-sized animals. <laughs> I could be wrong. Uh, and uh, he, I, I'm sure in his mind, he's getting super excited about this proposition because this dude looks well-to-do. And uh, his excitement kind of uh, dissipates quickly uh, because he wants to offer Jimmy $1 million in cash to help him become a sovereign citizen, Glenn. He wants to secede from the United States of America. Uh, and he, I think he says, like, oh, he wants to create, like, his own Vatican or something like that. And Jimmy is actually, he's like, oh, okay. Because he told him, like, what, his, what he wanted uh, hour, his hourly rate was or whatever. And he's like, shoot, Jimmy, you know what? I'll just put, I want you on retainer. retainer. Million dollars. Does that sound good? I'll uh, give you half in cash right now. And uh, he goes over to this thing, opens it up, pulls out a tray <laughs> full of money. So much piles of money. And he, hand, Jimmy's like, can I take a look at it? And he's like, sure. Hands him over a stack of, of hundreds. And he slides the, the band holding all of the bills together. And it is the face of big Ricky Sipes. Uh, and he's like, I'm telling you, man, this is going to be all recognized. But like, <laughs> It's his currency for when he successfully secedes. And his money will be good at Ricky Sipes land. Um, <laughs> uh, Jimmy gets out of there as fast as he fucking can. Um, I, basically, I think the next scene is him like speeding away in his car, getting out of there as quickly as he can. Uh, his, he visits his next prospective client, uh, goes by the name of Roland J. Cox, which is already funny given i didn't know that was his name to begin with but thanks to wikipedia now i know and it's even funnier uh he is an inventor and he makes jimmy sign a non-disclosure agreement he wants to help him uh on his invention before play school can get their hands on it and he uh reveals to jimmy a toilet which jimmy's like yeah i think i've seen one of these before and he's like oh not like this you see i have tony the toilet buddy it's like a little attachment that you put onto your toilets, and when your kids go to the bathroom, uh, it it provides words of encouragement to help your child potty train so better. <laughs> and yeah, he he mentions that he has modeled this version after his son Chandler. Um, the uh, uh, <laughs> oh, what's the best way to put this? Uh, the Wikipedia There's people article. around the Pacific Rim. What are some of the go f- crazy for this? What <laughs> What are some of the phrases like when he drops a block into the toilet? Like, what are the some of the things it says? I know it says you're so big, Chandler. Yeah, it's like oh, oh fill me up, put it all me in up. me. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, that's so good. You're doing so good. <laughs> Doesn't this feel great and stuff like that? <laughs> uh, and when Jimmy points out that all of these phrases could be misconstrued as sexual innuendos, uh, Roland gets pissed. He's like, "How dare you!" 
What are you talking about? I, I've made this for children to help kids. Uh, and I believe Jimmy says something along the lines of he hopes uh, he hopes he gets his patent so this way he can afford Chandler's therapy bills yeah. later in life. Um, so Jimmy meets the 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 least crazy of all three of his prospective clients, <laughs> Mrs. Strauss, who is an elderly woman who collects uh, Hummel figures. Those little porcelain dolls. And she wants help from Jimmy assisting with uh, her estate planning, her will. And uh, basically, she is assigning a doll to, like, every human she has ever known. But there's very, clauses to very each of pers- those very, Yes, very precise clauses. Like, if you, get, if you go back to your ex-wife, you're not getting this Hubble figurine. It's going to your second cousin or something along those lines. Um, she finds Jimmy quite charming though, and pays his full free, uh, his full fee up front. I think he only asks her for $140, something along those lines. Um, so that evening, uh, Jimmy is back at the salon with Kim and basically telling her about everything that had happened. <sighs> um, he uh, he has two wills and a living trust under his bill under his belt now, and uh, perhaps he thinks that he could go into elder law, uh, basically just doing uh, uh, being lawyers for the elderly, essentially. And he is right; they do have there are all sorts of things uh, legally that uh, that people in old age do have to take care of. Uh, so he is correct, and he thinks that it could be lucrative. Uh, he considers this, uh, but uh, their conversation is interrupted when Kim gets a call from Hamlin saying that Chuck is in the hospital. So they rush over there. Uh, and uh, Jimmy is trying to desperately explain Chuck's conditions to uh, his doctor because there are lights on and there are machines on. And Chuck is basically in a comatose position. And I believe Jimmy exclaims, he's, al- he's allergic to electricity, uh, which they then have to, uh, uh, once they get all the lights out, and they get all the electricities, uh, all the uh, electric devices out of the room and things like that. Uh, and Chuck finally regains his his cognitive abilities. He starts talking to them about what it actually is and explaining it, his, electromagnetic, uh, his electromagnetic hypersensitivity. And um, while he is explaining all of this, because uh, he is trying to explain to the doctor that he's not crazy at all, and he does not sound crazy outside of the uh, the hypersensitivity to electricity and uh, the the microwaves and the radiation and things like that. Um, outside of that, he does not sound crazy. But as he is talking, uh, the doctor directs Jimmy's attention to the foot of Chuck's bed, which, of course, if you've ever been in a hospital uh, anytime in, I don't know, like the last several decades, most of most of the beds are also electric. Uh, they're motorized. You move them up, you move them down. You can call for nurses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, she points to uh, Jimmy and shows him that the bed is on. There's electricity flowing through this, and he is laying on it, and he is showing no signs whatsoever. It's all in Chuck's head. It's all psychosomatic. And uh, she recommends that Chuck should be committed. And uh, Jimmy does not want to do this. Uh, when Hamlin shows up, though, uh, basically he's convinced that uh, Hamlin uh, doesn't want him to be 
institutionalized because if he is, then Jimmy becomes the legal guardian and he's going to cash um he's going to cash Chuck out of the law firm, which he believes Hamlin does not want. Uh so he tells him he's going to can he tells him he's going to uh commit him and then walks off, but then tells Kim that he just wants to to make him sweat, essentially. Uh, if there's anything he can do to piss him off, that's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to can, he does not want to commit his brother. Um, so they get back to uh, the he takes Chuck back home, and uh, Jimmy thinks that maybe his recent exploits, uh, i.e., uh, the whole publicity stunt with the billboard, uh, like this happened and Chuck started getting worse. Uh, this is his uh, this is his theory anyway. And, uh, however, Chuck, uh, basically, uh, I, I don't know. And, and maybe it does play a part. He seems really rough at first and he's got his space blanket on. Uh, but Jimmy is, is telling him that this is not the return of slipping Jimmy. Like this was just, this was just to get attention and add, you know, and he's getting business and he's, he's going to start pursuing elder law. And basically as soon as Chuck, I think starts believing him for a moment, he seems totally fine and he gets up. And he starts walking around without any help or anything uh, and basically encourages him to, to pursue the elder law. Um, and then maybe my favorite scene in the whole show, uh, Jimmy has decided he is going to try out this whole elder law thing. And he decides the best way to do this is to study Matlock. So he is watching episodes of Matlock and taking notes on his suits and how he acts to people. Because, you know, Glenn, old people watch Matlock. They fucking love Andy Griffith and Matlock. <laughs> so he gets a suit and everything. And uh, the next thing we get is a shot of, of Jello and and uh, fruit drinks and stuff like that. That are being delivered to old people in an elderly home. And once these old people get to the bottom of the Jello containers, there's a picture of Jimmy that says, Need a will? Call McGill. Uh, and, uh, basically he's, uh, uh, and then he kind of makes the rounds essentially in the old folks home, uh, I guess chatting it up with everybody there, uh, in just the sleaziest way possible. Like we know it's sleazy as hell, but all these poor old people are falling for his charm. Um, so Jimmy's leaving and, uh, he runs into Mike, of course, he's, he's got all of his stickers this time around. Uh, Andy hands Mike his business card with the same slogan on it. Need a will, call McGill. Uh, and after his shift, uh, Mike uh, parks outside a woman's home and stares very creepily until she gets out of her car. And then uh, she's driving up the road and then she notices Mike. And then she stops and they both stare at each other really creepily. And then they both drive away in opposite directions. Uh, and then we uh, meet up with Mike back at his home, and he is visited by several police officers. And uh, he tells the detective who has met him at the door, Long way from home, aren't you? To which the detective replies, You and me both. And that is the end of the episode. Uh, so, Glenn, what did you think of Alpine Shepherd Boy? And by the way, Alpine Shepherd Boy was uh, Mrs. Strauss, one of the Hummel figurines. She's like, I found the Alpine Shepherd Boy. Like, that yeah. was the uh, that was The, the whole scene, we had no context as to what was happening. And it was just waiting for her to get down the stairs <laughs> oh, and she had walk one of those, over there. Yes, yeah, she had one of those motorized chairlifts. And, mm-hmm. it was, and she had to go upstairs to get the Alpine Shepherd. That was just... 
No, like you said, it was a really funny episode. Uh, and then all at the same time, like, really sad, especially when you get to the hospital stuff. Yeah. And you're wanting to believe that Chuck has this thing, and then she just turns on the bed, and he doesn't, you know, he never reacts to it, doesn't notice it, and it's just like, shit. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're agreeing with Jimmy, like, yeah, fuck him, you know, yeah, yeah he, needs to, he needs to go to the hospital, he needs to be, you know, cared for, and you just want to stick it to Hamlin, because he just, he looks like such a prick. Indeed. And, like, he just, that guy pulls it off so well, like. He just looks like a scumbag lawyer, <laughs> but in the complete opposite way of how Bob Odenkirk looks like. He just looks like a sleazebag. This guy looks like a scumbag. Very, very different. Uh, and then just, you know, you go, like you said, he's taking you notes of Matlock. And I'm thinking, man, like, what's he going to do? Dress up like him? And he, <laughs> he does. He just looks like Matlock when he's going around the nursing home. After you see them eating uh, little cans of jello that have his you know, his logo on the bottom of it. Like, it was just so good. And the same thing, like, my roommate, he's never he's never seen Breaking Bad. He's never watched the show. And he was just watching the episode with me. And, that you know, he's talking, and a guy's, you know, talking to him about, I want you on Retainer, a million bucks. I'm like, holy shit. I know, right? And then, you know, what it is, and my roommate looks over, he goes, you know, if he actually was able to do this case and somehow win it, like, oh, my God. Like, he'd be in such demand. I'm like, I know. So I don't know why he wouldn't just take the case. But again, he's not getting paid in actual money. Right. He's getting paid He's getting paid in, in Sipes bucks, whatever yeah. it's called. Uh, but no, it was it was really fun. It's funny because it's lighthearted. And as we know, this next episode is going to be extremely dark because it's all about Mike. Yes. Uh, this, was a, this was a great episode. Um, it was a... <laughs> I mean, there's been some levity in the other episodes as well, but this episode was almost all levity. Like almost the whole episode was was funny. The uh, I mean the uh, uh, the toilet the the potty helper scene was I I was trying. You you have to understand, Glenn. We were trying very hard to muffle our laughter because we had a sick four year old sleeping trying to get rest upstairs. Um. So we were very, we had our hands very tightly pressed against our mouths because it kept getting worse and worse. These sexual <laughs> innuendos, every phrase, every like, phrase. The oh, more man. the phrases went on, it got worse. Like, how did this guy not see it? Like, uh, <laughs> it just it blew my mind. Like, it, you were sick. You're a pervert. It's it's a voice going like, uh, oh yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, even if you could misconstrue the the words he was saying, you can't misconstrue that. Like, why would why would why would the potty helper make that sound? There's no reason for it's so big. I mean, it's, all, it's all about positive reinforcement. Like, like how is saying you're so big? You know, not construed that way. Like. <laughs> How is, uh, like, in a realm of your potty training, like, what, his shit is big? Like, come on. No, no, no. <laughs> like, like, when I was potty training my two girls, like, we would tell them that all the time, too. Like, oh, you're such a big girl, that sort of thing. Like, you're, you're, you're being a girl. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're saying, but in the girl. context of going, like, oh, <laughs> you're so big. big, yeah. Maybe that's how I'll potty train my kids if I have them. I'm just, you're <laughs> you're so going to get those sound effects? Big. Yeah. Who's champ? Because all in all, like he had a good idea. Just the way, the way uh, 
Jimmy was trying to play it off like, yeah, if you're going for like, you know, sexual fiends over in Thailand and Bangkok, like this is this is right up their alley. Like you can totally sell this. And he's just like not even <laughs> open to that idea because he was making it from this innocent place. It's like, yes. no, now this is a sex toilet. You're the guy who's making a sex toilet and hopefully you get it. So you can pay for your kids' therapy. <laughs> um, so here's the here's the question that does need to be asked about this about Royland. Uh, do you believe that he really approached this from a place of innocence, or is he some sort of sick, perverted person? I think just the way he like the way he talked about his kids or the way he was acting, it had to be a place of innocence. And in fact, he just ran him off like that. Like, yes, maybe maybe subconsciously there's some you know sicko in there, but I yeah. nah, I don't see it. Um, yeah, I, by the way, I was, I could not be happier to have so much Mike at the end of this episode. There was a, there was quite a bit of, it was like five minutes of Mike. Um, uh, they showed, uh, what, what must be the least glamorous job of all time, right? Where it's, uh, he's just at his booth and it's just a really wide shot of him in the booth from like far away. And then they just time lapse it. And it's like he doesn't even move. Like, they do a time lapse. Everything else is moving. Mike appears to just be standing still, like, reading his book. Um, and then he just gets up and leaves. Here's the thing. Who is the woman? Like, I thought maybe at first, like, the woman was his daughter. Because he has, like, a granddaughter in Breaking Bad. And he's doing everything he's doing to get money for her. I assumed it was his daughter. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. But they were talking about, like... Well, actually, I don't even think they ever ever say it's his daughter that's here. It's just his granddaughter. So it's probably his daughter-in-law, since it, like in the in the previews they're talking about like what happened to his son. Ah, ah, I see. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Oh, like he never like he talks to, but he doesn't really have anything to do with the mother. Like it's always about his granddaughter. So right. Then maybe they just reach a point where, you know they can tolerate one another. Like, you know, she does need to see her grandfather who cares for her and is also a terrifying human being. So the, um, the, yeah. And the, the, the Chuck McGill scene, that was, that was kind of heartbreaking as well. Like I had, I had, I had read elsewhere that a lot of people think it, uh, like it's psychosomatic because a lot of people, um, react to the placebo and things like that. Um, and, uh, I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Cause he seems so like even, you know, his, mentally his there. defense, yeah. he talks about, do I sound insane to you? Like I'm a rational thinking human being, you know, talk about, he's like the smartest guy in the room kind of stuff, but yeah, right. you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, so that, that sucked. That was not, that was not good times, but um, and the stuff at Mike at the end, I'm curious to see where that goes. It sounds like we're going to get some Mike backstory. Hell yeah. Which is awesome. I cannot wait for more of that. And this show appears like it will be rolling on and on. There's, there does not appear to be any breaks between episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. So at least we will have something to brighten our days uh, moving forward. What would you give Alpine Shepherd Boy score-wise, sir? Uh... I'll give it a four. Like I don't want to say four and a half because we just kind of seem like we do that a lot with this show, and it's not its fault. I just you know feel like next week 
Have you ever given a show a five? Have you all done that with Doctor Who? I know there's a lot of four and a halfs given out there, but have you all ever done a five or y'all don't believe in it? I believe I have. Oh, no, 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 no. If we if we go up, yeah, we're not going to fucking Roger Ebert this bullshit. If we have up to five, then it's five. If we get rid of five to make it four, then four is the new five. Like, you're making it out of something. So if whatever the top of that list is, that is a perfect score. It cannot get more perfect than that. Um, and to me, I've always looked at it. I've always looked at it this way. If we give something a five, we're not saying unabashedly and factually that it is perfect. We are saying that it is perfect to us. Like this is a perfect doctor who episode to me, the person giving my opinion on the episode. Uh, even if there are like some flaws with the episode or whatever, like I've, you know, uh, I believe, uh, in this last season of Doctor Who, I think I, I know for a fact I gave one at least one episode of five, uh, but possibly there may have been an, another. Um, it's possible that I've, it, it was two that I gave a five to, but I'm not I am not positive. Outside of that, I have not given another episode of five yet, but I have a feeling that this show is going to break that streak. Uh, I, I feel like there's going to be one coming. I'm giving this a four as well. Um, it's not quite four and a half level, um, and it's a setup. Obviously, it's a it's a nice uh, uh, eye of the hurricane type episode before things start to get really rough again. Um, I, I there was so much to like in this episode, though, like just the whole Matlock thing. I I cracked up because I oh the, yeah, I, I laughed so many times because he's just like, what do old people like Matlock? He he is a lawyer. This is perfect. How am I going to get oh, old people are going to love me if I remind them of Matlock? <laughs> it's just it's such a Saul. It's just a it's just such a Saul Goodman idea. I I, I loved it. Uh, it's the writing on the show couldn't be better. I don't think like it. it every everything he does, it seems exactly like something he would do. Uh, nothing feels like that's out of character for him. Like everything was. It's it's just perfect. The ads at the bottom of the Jello cups, uh, it's awesome, uh, and and I like the way the show is shot. It still reminds you of Breaking Bad in a lot of ways, like the way things are shot, like the mm-hmm. first the first shot of the episode with like the lizard kind of walking up the the driveway, and it kind of pans up to the the dollar bill under the rock. Uh, the scene from from like the Jello cart's perspective, that sort of stuff. It's it's all very reminiscent of Breaking Bad. So I. I cannot fault it. So four is around uh, all around for this episode, I guess, sir. Yeah, next week I don't. Man, we may give it a five. You think so? I have not watched the preview for next week's episode. Just, so. It's going to be about Mike and just how like how long it's been since we've actually seen a story about Mike. Yeah, and how great it was the last time we saw that happen. I just oh. Yeah, I have the we're we're raising the bar high. Hopefully, they can live up to it. Like, I'm gonna have to have a pack of tissues because I'll probably cry. Like it's just everything with Mike is just an emotional gut to the you know just gut punch, and I just know. Hmm. I should note, Glenn, that since the uh, this being the fifth episode, it is the fourth episode since the pilot, and it is now in its fourth week in a row where the ratings have dropped from the previous week. I would like to mention. I mean, it doesn't matter. They're going to have a season two no matter what. So. Oh, no, no. I know that. And um, uh, in December, uh, Netflix announced that the entire first season is going to be available uh, after the airing of the first season finale. Oh, cool. Uh, and according to this, and in Latin America and Europe, each episode will be available a few days after the episode airs in the United States. Hmm. 
So I mean, it, it, people will find how Breaking Bad. You know, God, it's. I mean, it's not like that was the most popular show. So they're making a spinoff of a show that had good ratings, but it wasn't. It didn't get those ratings until the end of the you know, of its run. The so run where people were like, "Holy shit! Why weren't we watching this earlier?" Yeah. yeah, and how they all came about it was Netflix. So, I mean, I have like I, I have a friend, and he said he's gonna watch it in the summer. He'll he'll have that be his summer show, and that'll be you know, uh, yeah, that's kind of how Breaking Bad happened. They people caught on during their breaks of their shows while binge watching it, and then I realized how amazing it was. Indeed. All right, so uh, for Glenn Beauvais, I'm Anthony Lewis. We'll be back next week talking Saul Series 1, uh, Episode 6, called 5-0. Oh, Saul, you better call Saul to fight for your rights when your back's to the walls.